What's up, PC Familia members and sports fans around the world? Yes, we are finally back at the Yellow Table, and welcome to another edition of Press Coverage Sports, brought to you by Persistence Media and sponsored by Mel Eats. Mel Eats is full of options to help you track all those macros with a ton of meal options to keep your appetite waiting for its next tasty meal. Check them out right now on Mel Eats Meal on IG. See their weekly specials and place your order with them today. But without further ado, let me bring back in my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Shift man. Jason, it's good to be back. Dude, Cheers to you, really sir. Really good to be back. Cheers, man. It's been too long. I'm glad we're back here on the yellow table. Yeah. Apologies for the voice. Might be losing it. We're in the process of it. Yeah. So we'll see. It's all good, man. And, uh, you know, all sports fans around the world should be losing their voice because there's tons of stuff going on. But definitely here in the Southland area, right around Los Angeles, the yeah. Lakers are back in the playoffs. So let's just get into it. NBA playoffs. I want to start off the top, Lakers playoff performance thus far. We were supposed to record this show on right. Tuesday, right? So this <laughs> topic was, was high. <laughs> this topic was going to be a lot different on Tuesday. Um, but here we are on Thursday now after their Game 2 performance. Now we're seeing both sides of the spectrum. Would you still consider the Lakers even the favorites to beat the Grizzlies, let alone the Western Conference? Yes, they are still the favorites to beat the Grizzlies. Like they won seven of the last or, or seven and two in their last nine games of the regular season. A really up and down play in game, but they got the win. They and did. You survive in advance. That's all what it's about. You beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. You get into the playoffs against the Memphis Grizzlies. Very promising game one. Back and forth. Lakers felt in control of the whole game. Austin Reeves showed up tremendous in the fourth quarter. Rui Hachimura played phenomenal throughout, and he continued that into game two. But then, with John Morant going down, Lakers up one nothing. you can secure the series and really take control in the driver's seat going up 2-0 on the road against the best home team in basketball, and you lay a freaking egg. The lowest scoring total, 93 points of the entire season. Was that the lowest of the season? Yes, comes wow. right now in the, one of the biggest games. Obviously, it's the most recent playoff game, so it's the biggest game of the season. But LeBron showed up. AD 414, D'Angelo Russell, what, 3 of 13. Um, the only guys 20 points and above were Rui and LeBron. Austin Reeves put a little bit together, but not a lot. But fact of the matter is they did not show up in a crucial game, too. Now, that's not to say that the season is over, the series is over. Memphis is still without John Morant. Memphis is still without their two best centers. Anthony Davis needs to wake the heck up. He sleptwalked through that game. Not the first time we've seen this from him. Not the first time Laker fans have had this frustration with Anthony Davis because we've seen the greatness that he can do, but having games like that are so frustrating. So with all that being said, I am super excited to have game three and four. If you think about this, Lakers have not had a home playoff game in L.A., in Staples, crypto, whatever you want to call it now, but at Staples in over a decade. That really mattered. Really? Uh, uh, Ten years ago, Kobe tears his Achilles. They're the eighth seed. They play the number one Spurs. They get swept. They have two home games. Dwight Howard's last two games as a Laker, blown out by the Spurs. They don't make the playoffs for six, seven years. Um, LeBron doesn't make it his first year. When he does make it in the second year, bubble. Every game's down in Orlando. And then they play against the Phoenix Suns the following year, but it's partial. It's like 25% capacity. They win okay, one. not a full home game. Yeah, correct, I was going to say, what about the Suns series? Yeah, 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 okay. But, you but have, that's not a game. You yet. don't have the roar of the crowd. You don't have the energy of a stadium that's packed for a playoff game. So over a decade since the Lakers have had a true home game in the playoffs, I'm ready for Staples to be rocking. I'm ready for this team to wake the F up and know, like, you know what? We're going to take over this series. Memphis is not better than us with all their injuries, and we have the most dominant player in the series in Anthony Davis and the veteran LeBron. Like, take care of what you can take care of. Do not let that little man Dylan Brooks punk your ass and take over this series with his trash-talking postgame. I can agree with almost all those takes, right? So I believe they have the two best players in this series. No knock on John Morant, but I think when they're both on fire, playing up to their full potential, hitting on all cylinders, Anthony Davis and LeBron James should be on everybody listening's rankings above John Morant. And that's no knock on John Morant, right? Those are two damn good players to be behind on a list. Um, The problem that I have with what you were saying, and I didn't really even think of it until you started ripping off these names like Rui Hachimuri and uh, Austin Reeves and these guys that you said just really didn't bring it, D'Angelo Russell. When have those guys actually ever really brought it? I think what we're starting to see, yes, they're nice pieces, and they're better pieces than the Lakers had before, but now is the true, this is the true, you know, testicular testimony that you need to make like hey 
I'm not worried about it. And you know what? Like you said, <clears throat> coming into it, that was a big game. I don't want to hear that, oh, they took it off because they were up one. No, they knew they could have put their foot on their throat, and they didn't do it. LeBron James was trying. LeBron was out there to do it, and that's what that's what makes me nervous. I still think they're the favorites to beat the Grizzlies, especially since John Morant is hurt. If jo- if John Morant's playing healthy, and then you think about the he other, can't play healthy. Yeah, exactly. Did you see the hand. Like yeah. even if he plays, you have no jump shot, and yeah. it's going to be hard for him I think to dribble. I think they're downplaying it. I think honestly, if they were just going to make the true statement, is yeah, that he's got some out. type of fracture or a broken hand, and he's probably out for the series. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mind games keeping yeah. them like of the potential. Of course, of course. I mean, the Grizzlies you can't expect like, yep, John Morant's out. Don't worry about us anymore, Lakers. But still, obviously, the Grizzlies just proved that there's still a fighting chance, right? They still got a boxer's chance. You're gonna have to come out there and you're gonna have to beat them. Um, so now it's already guaranteed to go back to the grindhouse. So Lakers need to handle business in Staples slash Crypto Arena. I'm excited to see it back, purple and gold, rocking and rolling. Um, it was fun to see Sacramento Kings Arena lit during the yeah. playoffs, so I can imagine how the Lakers' uh, backdrop's going to be for this playoff game. I think they beat the Grizzlies. I can't take them over anybody else in the Western Conference right now, though. Do you really think a guy named Xavier Tillman? I'm not even sure if that's his name. I might be wrong. It is. I think it's Tillman. It's Tillman. First name's Xavier? Yeah. Perfect. Got it right. Do you really think a guy named Xavier Tillman's going to outperform Anthony Davis on consecutive games Triple and throughout J, the though, series. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a legit youngster He's coming only up. only player, but... But he gets in foul trouble all the time. Xavier so, Tillman was like 24 and nine boards. Mm-hmm. He outplayed Anthony Davis yeah. last game. So if Anthony Davis, like you said, isn't quote-unquote sleepwalking through the through the game and he goes hard at Triple J at Jaron Jackson Jr., then that is where you get him into that foul trouble and you get him out of the game and then you only have to beat Xavier Tillman. So I think the moral of the story here is... Make sure you come and play your game. What'll be interesting is Dylan Brooks saying, I don't respect you until you drop 40. Quick hot take, Jay Shiffy, does LeBron James drop 40 in game three? I think LeBron's even more petty. He's going to go for like 39 and stop and get a victory and then just look at him in the face. Dylan Brooks, you remind me of every friend that I never really like when they trash talk and they cannot back it up. You are an average to below average NBA player, probably going to be in the league for five or less more seasons. You get the nice hair. You get the big uh, chain that says DB on it. <laughs> DB. It's, it's <laughs> ironic initials for, for your yeah, So ironic initials for sure. Yeah, but uh, we've seen this. Like Patrick Beverly did this. Ron Artest was able to back it up. He was a trash talker he was very you know deep person that Ron Artest is meta world peace and but he was able to hit some of the biggest shots in yeah. the biggest games in NBA yeah. history I mean meta's meta's a baller though too I mean even if you go back to his St. John days I mean the guy is the guy is you know I, I can't remember that blasphemous top 75 list that they came out with but I can't remember Ron Artest was on no. there but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have argued if he was is what I'm saying though I Fair. could see him in the 72 slot or something you yeah. know but the fact that Dylan Brooks is trying to run all this game he's getting his name out there I get it could be a branding thing where he's just trying to get bigger but you don't want to poke a bear that is a LeBron James yeah. like he may not have a whole lot left in the tank but it's enough to you know open up a can of you know what on oh him. yeah so I'm excited to see what those dynamics look like and if we're looking big picture the Lakers still might have a shot to win the Western Conference, which is incredible and a wild thought. You asked me this two months ago. I say not a chance in hell. Now it's like, you know what? If it quite uh, Kawhi Leonard is injured again, we'll, well see. he's out. He's out for tonight's yep, game. So yep, yep. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Like it's kind of a domino effect. Giannis is out. Jaws out. Tyler Hero's out. If the Lakers can stay healthy. I don't see why they can't unless if they perform at their highest level, they can still come out of the West. Agreed. Agreed. They got to stay healthy. And one thing I'm excited, though, about the whole Dylan Brooks thing is like this is what I feel like LeBron kind of goes for. If you look back on his history, there's always been this little like nemesis. And I'll name a few people who all kind of fill into the Dylan Brooks type of career. Um, it kind of started with a guy named Deshaun Stevenson. I don't know if you remember him with the yep. Wizards. Yep. Um, and that's when, you know. Great the, series against the Cavaliers. Great, great series. They actually played like three or four seasons in a row, like yep. in LeBron's early, early years. 
And uh, he made a comment like when Deshaun Stevenson said something about him, that would be like Jay-Z responding to Soldier Boy in beef. <laughs> and then Soldier Boy showed up at the Wizards game for game three in the first game in Washington. And then, you know, Jay-Z came out with a line backing up LeBron James. It turned into this whole thing. Yeah. But needless to say, he ended up schooling Deshaun Stevenson in that series, bounced the Wizards in every single one of those series. Um, Deshaun Stevenson actually got a little bit of revenge, though. He was on that 2012 Mavericks yep, team yep. Um, that actually actually ended up uh, beating the first time, first of 2011, 2012, whatever. Um, when when they first went to the finals and uh, and uh, the Heat lost, you know, yeah. and that was LeBron James's first finals. He really stunk up, actually second finals. He stunk up the joint though. Yeah. Um, Needless to say, Jason Terry emerged out of that as one of the next ones to talk trash. LeBron, um, LeBron James. Him, yeah, man. and then LeBron dunked on him in that Boston series, so he got his revenge there. Then you think about Lance Stevenson and the <laughs> Paul George Pacers blowing in his ear. Yep. And then, of course, everybody can remember Mr. Draymond Green, who's got himself in trouble again, but got in trouble for the infamous nut shot. Yep. Probably one of the most famous nut shots in all of sports <laughs> history. Um, Power when, ranking <laughs> in the future. Power ranking nut shots in sports <laughs> yeah, history. Yeah, there you go. Most important nut shots in sports history that would make the list um so it's just the next little villain that lebron james gets to go out and serve yeah. and honestly out of all those people i named part of me as a sports fan despises dylan brooks even more than all those probably guys the worst player out of that list he probably is he probably is well definitely lance stevenson better than him at his best at his best yeah. okay there jason lance terry, had some bad time. Jason terry is a yeah he's, he's great um deshaun stevenson they're in that, but I, I was about, still, Deshaun Stevenson was a great defender. He was. Dylan Brooks thinks he's a great defender, but he's not Exactly. Actually. He's just an annoying defender. Yeah, exactly. He's um, a pest. And then Draymond. Draymond's definitely better than yeah. Dylan. I don't think we need to explain that one. But with that being said, right, so the Grizzlies were the high seed. They didn't defend home court. The right. Cavs were a high seed. They didn't defend home court. The Bucks, a number one seed, couldn't defend home court. Um, so the Suns, another team that couldn't defend home court. So in this playoffs, right out the gate, we've had a lot of higher seeds not protecting home court. This next topic, which one of those teams needed it the most? And I am going to start off with this one. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Phoenix against the Clippers. Okay, The reason I say that is because Phoenix has all of a sudden got pole vaulted up to this superior team that should be able to walk their way to the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. Favorite in Vegas to come out of the West. Favorite in Vegas. You come out and you lay an egg to a Paul George-less Clippers team. And you look at that team. You got Kawhi Leonard. But after that, I mean, you just got a couple of few nice pieces. I mean, Reggie Jackson, really? Are we like, is that is, is that's the next guy that comes off the tip of my tongue when I'm thinking Clippers? Without Paul George in the lineup. Russell Westbrook, man. man he's the one playing for him right Russell now. Russell Westbrook, though, I, I love Russ. I mean, he's got more dogs in his chest than you know, the Camarillo pit bull pound up the road a little bit. But I mean, the guy is not enough to take out a Phoenix Suns team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton and then the CP, PG, point guard, point God, whatever you want to call him that yeah. should be able to maestro the whole show. Um, I think that not only damaged their own egos, but also the fans' egos. And then you look at it, the Clippers were heating up coming in. I mean, before Kawhi went out with that injury, he was playing like one of the best players in the league, averaging 28.7, 6.7, 4.1 over the last 10 games. Clippers were 7-3. and three, uh, And in that seven wins, four of those were playoff teams that they beat. So I think the Suns are still gelling, and that makes yeah. me nervous now that they got to go into L.A., and there's going to be games going on every single day. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere for those guys to come in and be relaxed. They're all going to be seeing each other. They're going to be co-mingling together. Yeah. It's going to be a tough environment for uh, for more of what we see as an introvert like KD to dial in and go out there and easy money snipe these guys into the second round. So I'm most worried about them. Fair. Um, I think it's the Sacramento Kings. Like, the Kings, we've seen what that home court advantage looks like, and we've seen how bad the Warriors were on the road this entire year. So if the Warriors were just still one, I'd be like, all right, the Warriors are still the Warriors. They're the defending champs. They're going to figure out a way to win this series. The fact that the Kings not only came out, but they took it to them, they looked all as great of that offense, like the highest-rated offense in NBA history. They lived up to that billing in those first two games. They held court, and... If you're going to knock out the defending champs, you got to hit them with a haymaker and a heavyweight, boom, a knockdown. Like, that's how it has to be. And then what Draymond did with jumping, did you see any of the WWE memes of, like, Draymond off the top row? I haven't got to see any memes. I've seen the quote-unquote <laughs> stomp or whatever yeah. you want to call it a bunch of times. Yeah, so with him doing that and then putting them at a disadvantage to go back home, 
to uh, Chase Center and now have to play without Draymond. They don't really have any bigs. They don't have any backup support. It's going to be Kavon Looney and Jonathan Kaminga. Again, this yeah. is like repeat of like, I feel like the from, finals from in literally seven years ago, we're in the same exact same yeah. names, Kevon Looney and Draymond being out. I mean, so it's crazy. I don't know if the Warriors have enough, and I think the Kings are just going to not steamroll, but they're going to play at a very, very high level offensively. And I said, if you're going to knock out the champs, you got to get them with a heavy, heavy haymaker. And that's what we might be seeing. So for the Kings to hold court and have that energy in, uh, not Oracle or not Arco Arena, but um, uh, Golden One Center now in Sacramento yeah. where they light the beam. Light the beam, baby. I see this going five, and I see the Kings ending it in five, lighting the beam, moving Gentlemen on to the second sweep round. against the champs. I, Jay Shippey hot take right there. It's going I down. I don't even the, think that's a hot take. I think the Kings are the favorite right now. <laughs> the, They're playing the, better. The Warriors, are, the Warriors are dead in the water. All right. I mean, I feel like this is when the Warriors, this is when the Splash Brothers do emerge. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know what? I say... I can agree with all that, and that was a that was a great take on the Kings. I wasn't even the Kings didn't even pop in my mind. I was more focusing on the ones that didn't defend it than the ones that did. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty spot on because they are the ones that have to take out the champs. They're the yeah. ones taking out the best team in the league, whether you want to agree with it or not. They're the champs until somebody takes them out, and the Kings are the first ones up to that task, and they look ready to go. Yeah. Um, I love De'Aaron Fox. I've loved him ever since his Kentucky days. I think Kentucky, I think John Calipari is the best point guard coach of all time. Wow. If you look at the list that comes out of there on the point guards that he has, you know, from Derrick Rose to De'Aaron Fox to, you know, a bunch of other ones that I'm not being able to ramble off right now. But I'm just saying this team is ready to go. I think they got the right mixture of talent. But I will say this. If Golden State defends home court and wins both of these games, look out. All right, fair. Look out. It's a big ass. Um, but, yeah, Sacramento was rocking. The The cowbells were ringing in, uh, yeah. in, in the GM's Brings ear. Brings back memories. E-40 I got thrown out of the stands, you know. Yes. So it's, it's, it's all kinds of madness. But, yeah, I was looking at this playoffs. I was like, hey, this reminds me, you know, this reminds me of, like, Early big, 2000s, yeah, big shot Bob vibes, you know, Chris Webber, Pages, Stoyakovich kind of days. I like As it. As a Laker fan, if Lakers were to win and if the Kings were to win, that's the matchup in the semifinals kind of nervous as a Laker fan because that offense, it just keeps coming and coming. And they're young. They're ready to play. They're playing at a high level right yeah. now. That's all you could ask for. Yeah. Lakers definitely did not do that in game two, <laughs> yeah. so we need to turn that you know what around. Turn up the intensity, but you know what we were saying? Getting all these old early 2000 vibes, late 90 vibes in these playoffs, and another part of that is seeing the Knicks good again, man. I'm feeling like Allen Houston. I feel like Marcus Camby is out there. Like, the Knicks are back, man. Yeah. You know, and we already kind of touched on it with the Sun beating or losing to the Clippers and the Cavs losing to the Knicks. Those are the four or five matchups. I kind of like them as like 5-12 matchups in the yeah. college uh, tournament. Like it's almost guaranteed one of those lower seeds is going to win. To you, Jeremy, which one would be more shocking? The five seed Clippers taking out the Suns or the five seed Knicks taking out the Cavs? I don't think anyone in the history of basketball has ever said that that's a shock that this team beat the Cleveland Cavaliers minus LeBron James. So a Cavaliers <laughs> team that does not have LeBron James, no one is shocked if they lose, whether they're a higher seed, lower seed. It's just like they're the Cavs. Fair take. So, and I think the Knicks are good. I agree. I think Jalen Brunson's really good, and he's a really good playoff performer. Yes. They got blown out last night in game two, but, you know, they got their one on the road, and they go back to Madison Square Garden. That place is going to be rocking. That atmosphere for a home playoff game is going to be fun to watch, whether you have a dog in the fight or not. Yeah. So that's my stance on that series. It's probably going to go seven. Who knows who wins it? Clippers and Suns. This is a very, very interesting matchup. I would be shocked if the Clippers beat the Suns. I think the Suns are rightfully so the favorite to come out of the West. Uh, they were 8-0 when Durant played. So that tells you two things. One, they're really good when those they were guys. were 8-0. Right, and then they lost game one. But they were really good when those guys played together. One side of the angle. The other side... They only played eight freaking games <laughs> yeah. together. Like, no team has ever played eight games. Like, all right, let's go in high-intensity playoff and go try to win a title. Let's go run it, yeah. That doesn't necessarily happen. So uh, this is a great, you know, litmus test of how short of a time can a good nucle nucleus play together to get to the actual promised land. Um, if they're already out without Paul George and now probably without Kawhi Leonard for tonight's game, this is shaping up to be the sun, so I would be absolutely shocked I mean, if the Clippers pull through behind Russell freaking Westbrook as their star performer to win this series. 
I can agree with that. And with Kawhi Leonard out now, it's like you start looking at that roster, and it's like, man, is this like you know the Santa Cruz Jam, or is this uh, this an NBA team? Because I mean, that roster is pretty roster is pretty rough without Kawhi and Paul George in it. So it definitely would be shocking. Um, I get it, but I, I just can't I can't believe that we're we're saying you know it'd be more shocking you know for the Clippers to win a. a a playoff appearance with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and these teams that they've had, you know, this team Clippers have been around for a while now. They're not the, they're not, they're not our, they're not our dad's Clippers, you know, they're yeah, not they're our childhood. Of, they Clippers. still never made it to the finals. <laughs> it's kind of the same team, kind of the, the little bit better version though. But these Knicks have been our Knicks. This Knicks team, I mean, you look at the Knicks. They haven't won a series since 2013, since Marcus Camby was on the court. We yeah. had Marcus Camby, we had Raymond Felton, we had Mello. You know, I'm talking about like. The Knicks have not won a playoff series for a long, long time. So for them to be in a fight, and you said the Cavaliers minus LeBron James, but guess who they got? They got one of the youngest, most top performers in the playoffs in his generation, right? You can't knock what Donovan Mitchell's already done, not only with the Utah Jazz, but now with the Cavs as well. 29, 5, and 5 is what he averages in the playoffs. Um, and he's got enough career games to, you know, hit the statistical metric or whatever. Um, and he's got a 57-point game under his belt in the yeah. playoffs. They lost that game, granted, you know. But I'm just saying, Donovan Mitchell is a legit, real-deal star. And then on top of it, it's the guy that the Knicks passed on and said, nah, we're good with R.J. Barrett. We want to take you on. And now they end up matching him up. They go up against them in game one. They give it to him in game one. But then they got annihilated in game two. Yep. So the Knicks are looking like they're turning back into the Knicks. So they make me a little nervous. So that would be more shocking to me. The Knicks actually winning a playoff series. We've seen the Clippers do it. You know, we didn't believe it until they finally made it to the Western Conference Finals or whatever that one year. Uh, so the Clippers have, have shaken that off of their back. The Knicks have not yet. I want to see the Knicks do it, and I will be shocked when they do do it. But I don't think they are. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to come. You know who likes to perform in Madison Square Garden more than the Knicks? The it's, opponents. The, it's the opponents. Think of man. Uh, Trey Young a couple years ago yeah. in that playoff series. Yeah. He just cooked them. Yeah. When is I the know. last? When is the last magical Nick game in Madison Might Square have, Garden? Like, Allen Houston when it was the Knicks and yeah. the Miami Heat. All those maybe years. and Alonzo Morning think of Days. Reggie and stuff, Miller, but, like yeah. in the '90s, it was Reggie yeah. Miller was you the never prime think, performer. You think of Michael Jordan. You think of Kobe Bryant. You think of Vince Carter on the Raptors. You think of Allen Iverson. You think of everybody, yeah. but a Knicks player. I can't even think of one Patrick Ewing game where I'm like, man, there was that Patrick Ewing game. He though. did miss a couple game-winning shots close to the rim exactly. at, for a couple of the games. Yeah. So, uh, exa exactly my point. So, I would be shocked if the Knicks can actually do it, harness the moment against a legit superstar that's going to come into them bright lights and be ready to freaking go. So, I think Fair. the Knicks I think the Knicks lose I think the Knicks <laughs> lose both of these games in New York and then it's a 4-1 and they're out and there's going to be a lot Ooh. of sad Knicks fans. Ooh. The only thing that might save them is Thibodeau is a hell of a coach. I respect the hell out of him and I'd be surprised if he does let it happen, but I, I that's what I'm that's that's what I'm throwing out there. I think it's a back and forth series. I think it goes seven. I think it goes seven. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a fun edge. Out of all series, I think that has the highest probability to go seven. Even more than the what, even more than the, the Suns Clippers. Cavs? Like the Cavs are a young team. They haven't been in this series grind. Donovan Mitchell played great, but even in game one when he played great, went for what, thirty eight or forty points. Mm -hmm. Cavs still didn't win. They they got beat by double digits in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I can go I can see that one going. I can see I can see that one going seven. Um Let's talk about one other one that I think has potential for going seven if Kawhi Leonard can get his ass on the court. Suns Clippers, I just want to know your take as a lifelong Lakers fan. Who would you rather see do the quote-unquote dirty work for the Lakers? Would you rather see the Clippers take out the Suns or the Suns take out the Clippers? I want the Suns to win that series, and I want Denver to beat the Suns. I don't want to face Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. I don't want to face Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I would rather face Jokic. We've had great history over the Denver Nuggets over the course of time. When have the Nuggets ever gone to the NBA Finals? Answer is never. Um, and Anthony Davis, if healthy, will wear down Nikolai Jokic on the defense. And he's going to make him work for it. Lakers are going to put him in pick and roll nonstop. Nuggets are still a good team. Jamal Murray went for 40-plus yeah, last night. good. So we have to take them serious. But the perfect lineup for the Lakers would be get out of this round against Memphis because they're injured. Go up against Sacramento Kings. You're just going to have to be more physical and slow that game down. Lakers, great defensive team. Suns, great offensive team. Playoffs, it leans towards the defense. Lakers come away from a hard fight. Second round series, third round, we get Denver. You have that matchup. Lakers were 2-2 two and two against Denver this year. They've never really been dominated by the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So I'm comfortable if that is the path that the Lakers have to do. Lakers, Celtics in the finals this year. 
I am going to the games. We're I don't want to see happen. it. I don't want to see it. it Lakers, Sixers, and we're both going to the game. I'd rather see Lakers, Sixers in the finals. But let me play devil's advocate on that last take, though. Nuggets can't get it done next round. Who would you rather see in the Western Conference Finals? Clippers? Suns. Or the Suns? I know this sounds crazy as a Laker fan. The team I'm most worried about in the NBA is the Los Angeles Clippers. Just because it's a weird matchup. Lakers have lost 11 in a row, I think. And Kawhi Leonard is a bastard in the playoffs, man. He really is. He is. He is. But the Clippers shoot like 25. They make 25 threes against the Lakers. They shoot like 60% from downtown. It's the weirdest dynamic. So I don't want to see the Clippers. I want to see them executed here in the first round, and Lakers get to move on. Okay, I can dig it. I can dig it. I just want to see Lakers Sixers, and I don't give a shit what the prices are. I'll use a credit card. I'm going to a fucking game. Sixers, Lakers, we're making it happen. Jay Shiffy will will be there. Press coverage sports will be representing in crypto, Staples, Arena, whatever you want to call it. We'll be there. I have a uh, one of our corporate leaders came to our office last week, big Celtics fan, go out to a dinner, a couple drinks, talking trash, early playoffs. We're like, all right, if it's Lakers, Celtics, you're buying tickets. We're going to it. So we all made a wager. We all threw in 50 bucks. If it's Lakers Celtics, it was like plus 1500 at the time. Everyone threw in $50, $250 down for like a seven grand payout. So if it's Lakers Celtics, our money's already there waiting for us to buy the tickets. So beautiful. We planned this out right before, uh, before the Lakers Minnesota play in game. So nice. fingers crossed Boston's up to, Oh, I'm actually rooting for Boston right now. Crazy. That Boston, that Boston Sixers series is like for me. It's like the Clippers Lakers series that you're trying to avoid. I was hoping to God somehow, some way that Trey Young would just start sticking some ice nah. back into those veins. That one's done, um, but one <laughs> is still tied one one, and that is the Heat and the Bucks. Yeah. Jeremy, real quick. Yeah. Now it's tied 1-1. They didn't have Giannis last night. I think that was their chance for them to really have a chance. Go back to Miami, up to where they've been 27-14 and 14 at home on the season. They average giving up eight less points per game as a defensive unit. Heading back down to South Beach, is there any chance Miami leaves my, uh, Miami up 3-1 on Milwaukee? Can they pull the upset? I have great notes on this one. Very deep, insightful stuff here. With Giannis, maybe, but I doubt it. Without Giannis... No, or sorry, sorry, I said that backwards. <laughs> Killed the punchline. I'm Chris Rock on his Netflix special. Killed the punchline. Without Giannis, maybe, but highly doubtful. With Giannis, no, absolutely no shot. I think the Euro, in, I think the Tyler Hero injury really killed him. I mean, I think it showed last night they had no answer. The Bucks ain't going to hit 25 freaking threes next game. Let's be serious. I mean, yeah, they might. They Without Giannis, they're a spread them out team. They ain't going to hit 25 <laughs> fucking threes, all right? It's not going to happen. They set a damn NBA record, all yeah. right? It's not going to happen. 22, and maybe. The thing that might play in the Heat's advantage is now all of a sudden they think they're some epic three-point shooting team when they're really not. You look at their roster. They don't have any. They don't have it. It's not like they got not like they got Glenn Rice, Reggie Miller, and Ray Allen out there. They just got a bunch of random dudes that just got hot on the same night. So I'm not necessarily sold just because the Bucks needed to shoot the lights out and the Heat were still just kind of hanging around. And, and you know, my boy Jimmy Buckets, he likes to play in the playoffs. Yeah. I want to see Jimmy come out hard in Miami, but I got a feeling Giannis is going to be back for game three and they're going to close this thing out pretty quick. Um, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping for some dirty work. I'm hoping. But then I think about it. It's like, fuck, do I really want the Sixers to play the Heat either? Jimmy Butler owns us. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, over over uh, Milwaukee? Yeah. yeah, you definitely do. I don't know. Well, I no, like you, our, guys, you guys would get Boston we match in the up. second round. We get Boston in the second round, and I like the way we match up against Milwaukee. I like. I, call me crazy. The Philly always plays Milwaukee good. We always play Milwaukee good. Well, so. we are delusional sports fans. That's right. You think Sixers are going all the way? That's right. I'm assured the Lakers are going all the way. That's what sports is about. We'll be there. But you know what? There's <laughs> another sport still going on at the time. It always captivates the headlines all year round. Yes, you guessed it right. It's National Football League. Yeah. And. One of my favorite days of the year is coming up, the beginning of the NFL draft. I'm a huge college fan, so I just nerd out on the draft. I hear names that I'm used to all weekend long, so I love the draft. But let's focus on round one for a couple of takes here. Top teams, they're all taking quarterbacks, Jeremy, right? We all know it, right? It's been all the talk, quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. What team in this year's first round might surprise us and end up taking a quarterback other than those top few? I think it's the Oakland Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Like they're at a spot at seven to where maybe one of those top four fall. I don't know how high they are on Will Levis, Levis, Levi's. I don't know how to pronounce his name. We'll figure it out. But they're at a spot where if they want to trade up into that top three, four, they could easily do it and only compensate maybe a, a second or a third additional pick and give them the seventh overall. So look for the Raiders to move up. If not, let them sit there. 
All they have on their roster is Jimmy G. What do we know about Jimmy G? He's not a long-term solution. He's a short-term play. He often gets injured. He knows McDaniels, though. He McDaniels does, likes him. But I still stand by my statement. Not a long-term solution for him. Often gets injured. They only gave him three years for a reason, right? They're going to have to rebuild after Derek Carr. So I think this is a good draft where they have a top 10 pick because more than likely Raiders are going to be somewhat good. They're going to get a 15 pick next year, maybe make the playoffs. So I think it's keen for them to move up. The other one, a little juicier here. Okay, let me hear it. Let's go with the Green Bay Packers. 15th pick right now. Mm. Another team that could mm. move up pretty easily. What about Joe Love? He ain't going to get no Are they Jay sold Love. on Bakersfield's finest, Jordan Love? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, all intents and purposes, a month ago he was out the door. He's still a Green Bay Packer now. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's a team that probably wants to assure themselves to get a, a good, solid quarterback because if Jordan Love's not the answer, I think they have to pick up his fifth-year option, if not extend him after this year. So that's, They definitely got to pick up the yeah. fifth-year option. So you could just reset and say, all right, we messed up on Jordan Love. We're not going to commit too money to him and screw us up for the next five to ten years, and let's just start over fresh now. So those are the two teams, Raiders, Packers, that I have my eye on, that no one's really saying they're taking a quarterback, but that could really put a spin in the first round. I can see that. I think the Raiders are going to hold out, right? I think I think the Raiders hold out, and if shit really goes bad with Jimmy G, gets injured, just tank the shit out of this season, and then you play for um, uh, Caleb, and then you, you get you get Caleb, Caleb and Williams stay. next year. Man. You know, I think I think I think there's going to be quite a few good quarterbacks. Even Drake May is going to be pretty hot. Then those are just the names right now, right? There's always going to be that dark horse like Will Levi's that's going to come out of nowhere, Anthony and all Richardson. of a sudden Anthony Richardson. You know, all these guys that you kind of heard about, then all of a sudden they take over. Um, I think Jordan. Travis with uh, Florida State. They have a big year. They end up pushing for college football playoffs. Watch out for him. He's going to be a name that comes hot next year. But speaking of this year, I think the Baltimore Ravens. Think about this, right? It would have to be a draft day trade. Like, they have to trade Lamar. You cannot draft a I don't quarterback know about that. with still Lamar hovering in. Did I don't know about that. Not? But maybe That's the Ravens. the biggest disrespect I would ever see to a franchise quarterback. Maybe the Ravens aren't hovering. Maybe the Ravens at this point are like, look, they look at themselves and like, look, do we want to be the Green Bay Packers three years from now, two franchise tags later, where we end up with a guy that doesn't want to play for us? Maybe they go on the offense instead of always being on the defense, and they say, hey, one of these guys slips. Or maybe even, who will probably be there, Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Hendon Hooker is a great quarterback that's going to be around at the end of the first round, probably, unless somebody goes way, steps way outside the boundaries and takes him knowing that he's a long play. What was his injury again? Was it ACL? ACL. Yeah, ACL. so it's recoverable. ACL. And he's a, he's a mobile guy, but he can throw, man. I mean, he was in a pro offense with oh, Tennessee. Yeah. They were get the ball out Think quick kind of system. Game, and deep like, yeah. The last couple plays just big old yeah. over-the-top throws. Yeah, the, the kid can play. Everybody's like, oh, he's 25. It's like, all that means is he's coming in more developed. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear that, oh, he's so old. You know, how many Look at quarterbacks? Joe Burrow. Yeah. He came in old. Yeah, how many quarterbacks are superstars by the time that they're 25? Not very many. Usually it's 27, 28. You let them come back. You put them in a good system. And then what does that do? That just, that just you know, tells, tells uh, Lamar Jackson, hey, Sorry, buddy. Either play this year under the franchise tag or we're done. And then you at least get Lamar Jackson for this year. He has to play well because he needs a contract after this. It's not the yeah. best scenario, but the Ravens could be very aggressive uh, and, and pull off a move like that. Where do you want to see Lamar? Is it still Detroit Lions? You said I, that last pod. I would love I would love to see him. I would love to see him on the Detroit Lions. I think it's a logical fit. Um, if I if I could pick anywhere, that's probably would be my spot. They're kind of my like low-key dark horse in the NFC that I'm really starting to like yes. I'm starting to dig um, and I like me some I like me some uh, some lines right now I like the way their team is building they've sucked my entire life I want to see the Lions be good I want to see them be good um, but if not Baltimore I also think the Saints are a little bit of an outlier too I don't think they're all in on Bakersfield other finest quarterback yeah, Derek, Carr. Uh, Derek Carr he's Fresno but you know. well Fresno State but I think I think the, I big? think the Carr boys are from Bakersfield yeah, somewhere I think off so. the 99 yeah, exactly somewhere off the 99 who knows um, but I think I think I think they're another person that might look at Hendon Hooker towards the end of that first round. I think it'd be a steal. And then my real dark horse for a quarterback. Talk about going on the offensive and just get over this flippity floppity shit. The Jets. Nah. I let's think they're, they're pot committed right let's now. Say, let's say Levi slips to nine. But maybe they know. Maybe maybe the Packers are playing so much hardball, just being complete dicks, that they want that first round pick. And they say, without the first round pick of this year's draft, we're not giving you Rodgers. The deal ain't done on draft day. They don't call. What do you do? It's risky, man. What do you do? You roll out Zach Wilson again? No, you can't do that. You can't no. do that. You no, blasted no, no. this kid. That kid is ruined. Yeah. That kid is ruined. 
Yeah. He needs to go to the XFL for a fucking season before I, he's ready to, to play that, again. We need to see that transaction happen already with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Zach Wilson will be in the XFL in two years. I hope. I hope and the XFL's and around. And hopefully he can resurrect his career. It'll be around. Rock's got enough money to float this thing for a few years. All definitely. Right, for sure. Um, but those are my hot takes for what quarterbacks. Um, other quarterbacks I like late in the rounds, though. Another Fresno State product, Jake Hayner. Uh, Malik Cunningham, who is like, uh, he's a poor man's uh, Lamar Jackson, for lack of a better term. Um, so that could be something the Ravens even do in round five or six to give a, uh, a, 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 a gentle nudge to Lamar. Like, what's up, You really dude? want Lamar out of Baltimore. I either want him out or signed. Like, I hate this flippity-floppity crap yeah. where he's not going to want to play on a franchise. He's too big of a star in the NFL not to be happy and playing and sure. ready to go. Like, we need to figure it I out. To see him in Atlanta. I think that team makes so that would much be sense great. for him. That'd be great. I'd uh, love to see him in Atlanta wearing number seven. Give him number seven, oh, too. Let's go, oh, Lamar. A young tight end, a young wide receiver, good running back. A and stack defense now. Yeah, that defense yeah, is freaking loaded in the worst conference, in the worst uh, division yeah, in the conference. There's so. no quarterback in that division yeah. right now. So that would be great. That would be an instant success for Atlanta. If you're <laughs> listening out there, Art. <laughs> Think about Get it. it. Done. Get Think it about done. it. Just draft picks. Draft picks mean nothing. Um, speaking of that, other draft picks that aren't supposed to happen. There's a little rule. Don't take running backs in the first round, right? There's no value to it. There's nothing worth in that fifth-year option. It's always better just to replace them after four than worry about a fifth-year option. So you take them around two. I'm about to talk about any team that might break that running back rule this year, and I want your take back on this one, Jeremy. To me, everything screams Cowboys take B. John Robinson. Yeah. I think they're I, 24th, right? Yes, yes. So that wouldn't be that bad, right? You're deep in the first round. It's a logical place. But the thing about the first and the thing about the first round, right, is that magical fifth year option. I think the Eagles could have a better chance at taking him than the Cowboys. So if any team does it, I actually think the Eagles will do it. And they have this mindset after letting Miles Sanders go. They get him on a discount for four years in that offense. The Ooh. kid is gonna be a Ooh. stud. It would be, it would be, it, it would he be. He might be the number packed. one overall fantasy pick. It would as be well. action packed. Um he's starting to gain a lot of buzz. But I think he slides. I think he slides all the way to the second round. No chance. Um, and I think teams really start looking at other running backs like Jameer Gibbs, who yeah. has so much tread on the tires, Alabama. He's got so much to play for. Zach Charbonnet, who I'm not that big on, um, he couldn't really cut it in Michigan. He had to bounce around and come back home to UCLA. So I'm not big on he Charbonnet. He crushed it this last year. He, he did, but he's got a lot of carries on him. He's got a lot of carries on him. Um, uh, a cane from Texas A&M, home run hitter, didn't really get used that well in uh, in what's his name's uh, system. Sorry, coach, I'm forgetting your name, but uh, Texas, Texas A&M. Uh, uh, Jimbo, Jimbo, oh, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher. Fisher. Sorry, coach, um, but yeah, your scheme didn't really highlight Akane's uh, abilities to the best of it, but I think Ty J Spears, man, if you remember that kid Tulane. gutting USC in yep. the bowl game this year, I'm really big on him, and I think he could be like a fourth-round guy. So, I mean, I could see Cowboys and the teams, the Eagles that are really high on Bijan yeah. deciding, nah, let me take one of these high-end wide receivers. Let me take an O-lineman, somebody that I really want that fifth-year option on versus a running back. So that's my take. You think somebody grabs him? Bijan's definitely going to the first round, 100%. I think it could. I think the Eagles have two picks. I think like 9 and 16, something like that. I think he's a prime destination there. I think the Cowboys, they might have to trade up. I think the true logical one where it makes sense um, draft pick-wise, 22 to the L.A. Chargers. You let Austin Eckler oh. go test that free agency. You let him get out there, and you bring in a B. John Robinson, as you mentioned, four years where you don't really have to pay them. Mm -hmm. um, Ooh, I didn't even think about the Chargers. He would be a, be a nice He's going to be a slam dunk pick, and anyone who's a fantasy fan, that should be your interest watching the draft to see where he falls. I guarantee he'll be a first-round pick in everyone's fantasy draft. He has a chance to be number one overall. If you think crazy. he's a first-round fantasy pick yes, right I out do. the gate? Yes, I do. Right out the gate. Because the running back um, range is so weird now. Like, you're going to see all kinds of wide receivers go in the first round. Travis Kelsey's going to go in the first round. Why the hell would Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes not go? Like, you need consistency. How many years, anyone that plays fantasy out there, how many years have you drafted somebody, a running back specifically, they get injured, they underperform, it's a wasted first-round pick. Go with what you know is going to work. Justin Jefferson, um, uh, Jamar Chase, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey. So you think Robinson's going to be a first-round pick, though? You're naming all I, these guys. I think he's in there with the Christian McCaffrey. He's better than Dalvin Cook. Like he's. It depends where he goes. Again, it depends where he goes. If he goes to one of these sexy teams, where it's the Eagles, where it's the Chargers, where you already know they have a good offense, where it's the Cowboys, <clears> like, <throat> why would he not be a first-rounder? 
I just think because he's not proven. Now, get, granted, I think I think he comps really well. He to had like the a highest like broken tackle rate in the history of college football. Well, not the highest in the history, but the highest over the last two years <laughs> yeah. of broken tackles. It was good. I mean, it's good. yards after it's contact. Good. It's good. He's good. He's good. But you got a guy like, but there's all these guys like like all those other people I just named are all quality rookie running backs. And that's why I we just get to sit around and watch the draft, man. It's okay. beautiful as well, it unfolds. Press coverage, sports, fantasy special. We'll co- we'll cover this a little more in depth. I say he's a first rounder. You say he slips to the second, right? I like yes. I so I think I think he's a I think he's a, I think he's I think he ends up being a second rounder period in the NFL draft and I think taking him first round in fantasy is absolute blasphemy taking a rookie running back first straight up you know I, I don't know that's just my take my take but I don't I mean, Najee Harris as a rookie he went first round in basically every draft every one I was in and everybody that did it is not happy with his himself. rookie year was good if he was in PPR it wasn't but. that good okay we'll get it <laughs> we'll get into that more in depth right but we're gonna get back into reality reality for you as a Rams fan is that the future is oh dim boy. and grim. So I prepped this next topic specifically for you because I've heard this um, come up on like offside kind of conversations, but never a true mainstream media take on this. Should the Rams just up and sell the <clears throat> fort, sell the barn, kick the bucket, get rid of Cooper Cup and hit the full rebuild mode button? Trade Cooper Cup, trade Aaron Donald, recoup draft capital and start the rebuild now. As a Rams fan, do you think they should? Yes or no? I say no, obviously. <laughs> I want to keep the good players on your team. That's the whole point of sports. But the NFL is cutthroat. We've seen this year in, year out, and we've seen um, long-term stars, guys that just get paid their big deals. They get traded, they get cut, and it's a, a nasty, nasty business. So I think you keep them, and it's really a make-or-break year for the Rams this year. Um, Aaron Donald, I believe, signed for two years after that Super Bowl, maybe three. So this is going to be really his final year. He can quit at any time. He can retire at any time, I should say. Um, we'll see what's left in the tank for Matt Stafford and that elbow. He might be a quarterback that's just done. Like we've seen this happen where they can no, they can turn into a noodle arm and it's gone. That's what I'm I, saying. So why not Manny. sell the farm? Because Cooper Cup is my guy. He led me to let us to a Super Bowl and it was great to watch. I still think. Their competitive spirit forces all of them to stay together. Cooper Cup, Stafford, um, Aaron Donald, and Sean McVay. That's the, the the final core of that Super Bowl team. And I'm not making a convincing argument. I'm making a, a, an appeal to the heartstrings of the Rams and less need. Oh, like We're going to run it back one more year. They're going to see if we could really get the O-line help that was needed that they did not have last year that really just tore up their whole season. But it's tough because what are you going to get for a, I think he's 29, if not 30-year-old wide receiver? couple second rounders like unless for cooper cup yeah you trying to tell me you don't think you could package cooper cup right now oh, i would for, love multiple for, first for rounders. two first rounders i would love it but you know how stupid the nfl is and they're like no first rounders are too valuable i guarantee with the with the stats that cooper cup's been putting up you can get two first rounders from a team like the cowboys in a second I traded in my fantasy league for a first rounder last year, so I I, I, f- I feel like a hypocrite right now. I'm yeah. saying for the Rams not to, but I did it to benefit myself to get a future first round. I think Cooper could get like a first and a third and a future first right now on the market for a desperate team like the Cowboys, who are desperate for a star wide receiver, right? They think that they're missing a star wide receiver. I mean, they got CeeDee Lamb, but... To me, I think it's a quarterback there. Yeah, well, they they don't they're not going to do that. The Cowboys aren't going to hit reset on the quarterback button just yet. They yeah. might go Clayton Tune, the kid from Houston, though, late, and that might be the that's the way they like to do it. They take yeah. these later round quarterbacks, and then all of a sudden, Dak Prescott goes down with an injury. Boom, Clayton Tune is in. But that's a topic for a different uh, discussion. I think. You're speaking as a fan, and I think that 100%. they should just do it, right? They just got rid of Allen Robinson for a bag of chips and swapping seventh-round yeah, picks. What was that? Such a waste of money, yeah, $40 so, million dollars down the so, drain. So dumb, right? And so now it leaves the Rams with literally one of the worst rosters in the NFL when you take away Cup, Aaron Donald, and Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford, like we said, what does that really mean, right? You're stuck with Stafford, right? So hear me out. So you got to stick with Stafford. What does he need? He needs a lot of playmakers and a lot of offensive line help. And what do you have? You have uh, Stafford, Donald, and Cup accounting for $64 million in this year. And then next year against the cap, a whopping $116 million. They're on the hook. Year. They're on the hook for these guys. But if we win another Super Bowl this year, it's all worth but it, But right? you ain't going to win a Super Bowl <laughs> this year. Let me dream. The only way out of this is to trade. That's the only way you get rid of those salaries, right? You got to keep Stafford because nobody wants his $48 million due next year, and he'd be a complete 
idiot not to take that check, right? He's not going to restructure his contract. Yeah. Matt's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. He's a nice guy, but he ain't restructuring that. And damn right, you shouldn't, Matt, right? You earned that money. You got him a Super Bowl. You take that check all the way to the bank. But you deal that, you can end up with like four first-round picks, second-round picks, and you could be a legit contender, in my eyes, in 2024. And then you could sign free agents like Chris Jones, Buda Baker, even kick the tires on an old Derrick Henry, Andrews Pete, cheap, good, veteran offensive lineman that you could plug right in there. Plus, you have all the youngsters that you draft. Cooper Cup to the Cowboys for a couple of first-round picks. I think you can make it happen. Aaron Donald to my new favorite second-best team, the Detroit Lions, for the number wow. 18 overall. I mean, I think I think the Lions make that move in a heartbeat. And He's I one think, of the greatest defensive linemen in the history of the sport. Exactly, and he fits perfect in Detroit. I think he would go and do one last hurrah in Detroit and be on a contender. You try and tell Aaron Donald, hey, you want to play for this shitty-ass Rams team or you want to go play for— my heart with this You want to go play for a fun Lions team that's going to push it. And then you get to watch, and then you get to watch Aaron Donald wreck shop in that NFC, dude. Aaron I, Donald. I, I think he would rather retire than go and try to try to win it. You think elsewhere. so? Yeah. I don't think so. He got his money. He got his memories. He's he ready wants, to play. He wants to play again. He wants to play again. He was he's close not, to retirement after that Super Bowl. He was close to retirement, but once he decided he wasn't retiring, he wants to win. He's not coming to just putt around in the freaking in Los Angeles and go to SoFi and get his ass kicked every Sunday. Aaron yeah. Donald's going to want to play. He just did that last year. You know, and they already got rid of Jalen Ramsey. I yeah, mean, that's the, that's the point that leads us to where we're at. Where I it's think either, uh, they're either half-ass selling the farm or they just need to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, a rebuild's tough. You can't half-ass rebuild. Exactly. That's You're what I'm saying. Tear it Especially down. Especially in the NFL. But look at the Lakers. Lakers were about to tear it down. They were going nowhere with Russell Westbrook. Made a couple good trades to help yeah. their team and bolster it. And now, Well, in the NFL, the way you make those trades and bolster it is by trading for draft picks. And that time's running out. You either yeah. do it now or you don't. And I think if they trade those guys and recoup some critical draft value this year and next year they can be better without those guys this year than they would with them so i wouldn't be mad at them if they did it right so we'll see we'll see at the start of a new season we just recently had the start of a new season the major league baseball is back yet again and boy has it been quite a different game been quick so Bigger bases, we got pitch clocks, we got batters that need to be in the box with eight seconds, we got my boy Scherzer, you know, umps getting paid in Los Angeles, tossing him off the mound or whatever happened last night, it's fine, it didn't really hurt the Mets, we still pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, so, baseball is a little bit different this year. Jeremy, I want you to start off with this one, with the first five or six series or so in the books for the Major League Baseball. Have the rule changes, in your mind, helped or hurt the game? I think it definitely has helped it, and it, it might not be for the older generation, for the get-off-my-lawn generation. This is really for the future of the sport and for the younger generation. Um, the younger generation lives in a five-second uh, mental health span where they're just like they're stuck, and then they move on to the next one where they're always swiping left or scrolling up and down. The faster baseball game, I think they trimmed off 30 minutes of baseball. So At least, yeah. Some games, games are under two hours already. Under two hours is ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's, for at least the TV perspective, hear me out. Here's My the, son's 6U machine pitch game has to go at least an hour and a half. Oh wow! So, so for the pros to, to be so for the pros to be getting close to my six year old's game, come on, major yeah. leagues! I think it's a better TV product, being that like basketball's two and a half hours, uh, football's three, but you're like right at that three mark, and if it goes to overtime, it's more exciting. Yeah, baseball could be a seven run game, and it's like in the sixth inning, and you're already over the three hours, so it could really drag. Is my point? But in person, I've yet to go to a game this year at Dodger Stadium or any stadium for that matter. But in person, I've had a handful. Full friends that have gone, it goes way too fast when you're there. Traffic to get to Dodger Stadium, to get inside, you want to get your drink, you want to get some food, boom, it's already the third, fourth inning, what the hell? Or if you're in your seat in the first inning, boom, you get through the first couple, let me go up and get that drink, Get go to the restroom, you come back, it's three innings later, and you're like, what just happened? I missed all this stuff. So the in-person experience, it seems like it's a little worse. I hope they don't do this for the postseason. I don't know if they've uh, officially made that. that I think the they timing. did. I think, I think it is. I would rather go back to old school for the postseason, but at least But you for can't TV, do that. It's such a big change. They did that with the runner on second in the extra innings. That's yeah, a regular that's season but rule. That's easy. You only get adapted to that even if you get into extra innings. You know how easy it is? Click. You turn off the clock. The clock's off. You're good. But how hard is that now for all the batters that had to hurry up and get in the box and the pitchers that had to hurry up and deliver the ball? I don't think I don't think there's any going back. I mean, we'll see. It's it is a, a case study this season, but I think all in all, it, we're we're bitching about what, twenty games or so? Give this 
15 seasons. I think it's going to speed it up. Yeah. The younger generation is going to be a little more interested in playing that rather than always just diverting to basketball and football. Agreed. I think I think this is a long play by Major League Baseball, and you know somebody like myself is going to find more reasons to bitch about it than be excited about it right now. Um, one thing that I'm excited about is the base running's back. When we first yeah. kind of talked about it, I thought the pitch clock would actually kind of do the reverse. Like, now you can't steal that much. But what it's exposing is catchers can't throw the motherfucking ball. Yeah. Catchers cannot throw somebody out at second base if they wanted to. You get, so, what, is it six inches total, three on each base pass? Yeah, so you get the extra bases. And then plus, once you do one pickoff attempt, you know they only have one left. And they're not going to do that second one because now you know they have no pickoff attempts. Yeah. So it's like you get free reign as baseball stealers. And I mean, even the mediocre, like above average speed guys are stealing bags left and right to start the year. Now, nobody's going to go out and Ricky Henderson anything this year. Um, um, at least not yet, but that's up, and that's been more fun for me to watch. I did go to a game in person. Yeah. Um, I went to last Sunday. It was Little League Day at the Park for the Cubs game where uh, Belly hit that moonshot. Yeah. Um, Dodgers have not been good this yeah. year. Yeah, that game was not all that fun. When I go to the ballpark, I like a little more action. But one thing I noticed too, it was way too fast, man. You were you were dead on, dude. It's like you get up for anything, you're guaranteed you miss at least one full inning. Yeah. And then on top of it, if there, if you want to go get something good, there's going to be a line. Um, so it's like if, if you want to get good concessions or good drinks, then you're really going to give up at least two innings. And I think MLB right there have hurt their most valuable product, right? Mm. So TV is one thing, right? But let's be honest. How much baseball do you intake on TV? Me, I take the Mets season ticket or MLB TV just so I can watch it for the few moments that I do. And I would say I take in maybe, as a pretty big fan, 45 games a year. On TV. And that's only because I can watch my Mets. If I didn't have an option to do MLB TV or whatever, then I wouldn't watch yeah. it at all. So, and like TBS, you could put the Yankees and the Angels game on. I'm barely going to even blip. It's barely going to hit my radar. Um, so, I think their most valuable asset is the day at the ballpark, yeah. man. You know, and now a game's flying by, the fans are the ones getting the short end of the stick. And I think that's going to reverberate a little bit. I, I could definitely see that. The, the end ballpark experience yeah. is different. I do watch I, at least the last six years when the Dodgers have been dominant. Yeah. I've watched a lot of Dodger baseball on the spectrum. and it's So on, you're in the home market. Yeah. So you're an outlier. Exactly. So, so like me, like I, and I try to, but be honest, like, well, with the Dodgers, it's easier too. With my Mets, most of the time they're on at four o'clock. So it's early. Like I'm still barely getting home. You yeah. throw it on the background. You're yeah, making yeah. dinner. Yeah, yeah. My daughter's now interested in it because she loves going to Dodger games in Hell person. Yeah. So she's like, are we winning? Are we losing? Yeah. So. It's in the background, but I hear you. They're not that good this year. Yeah. I'm probably not going to mm -hmm. watch more than 40, 50 games. We'll yeah. see. Watching them on TV, it actually is nicer going a little bit faster, though. You know, it kind of flies through. But I think as far as just the rules themselves, I feel like the pitchers have hugely got the short end of the stick. Um, it's really devalued them at least this year and possibly the next few years, and especially for, like, the old vets, like a guy like Scherzer, a guy like Verlander, sure. guys that have these systems down. They have their timing. They have all these things. They're not just going to be able to adapt like that, and maybe they'll never even get back to it. They maybe only had two to three years left of dominance in their career. It's like, who knows if they'll ever really be able to fully figure it out, and now what that's done, it's drastically turned contracts upside down. Like, all this money that you put out on the pitcher because it was all about uh, not giving up runs, not scoring runs, and that's what baseball was turning into. Now MLB completely flipped the rules to where pitchers have been devalued, so I feel like a lot of teams' roster is is devalued now and yeah. it's going to take a lot of time to get adjusted a lot of time for gms to figure out what type of roster they want to build what type of bullpen they need to have things like that so it'll be interesting but i think it's a long play for mlb and you know i'm i'm a sports guy i'll be here when it all gets sifted out too so yeah. i just think it's kind of weird that clayton kershaw just got his 200th career win we're never going to see a pitcher go for 300 wins ever again like the vets of the game right now, the Scherzers, the Kershaws, the Verlanders, they're hovering right around 200. They're yeah. not going to get barely over it or barely under it. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That Different might be sport. that might be a hard that might be a hard career milestone to to reach. A, they don't pitch as many games. They get rested a lot more, yeah. a lot more smaller injuries, and then they don't just stick it out too. Like yeah. two one game in the seventh, you're getting pulled. Where before it was like, hey, you're at a hundred pitches, go to the ninth inning. You're our yeah. guy. You know, I'd rather keep you in here than pull any of these bums out of the bullpen. Yeah, so sure. you know, it's like the good old days of uh, Doc Gooden and Nolan Ryan and oh, all those guys, Randy, games, even Randy Johnson's, Kurt Schillings, and stuff like that. Nobody does it anymore. Um, one young kid that's got a chance is Alcantara for the Marlins. They seem to give him a long leash, but we'll see how long he can last and how long that keeps up, you know? Yeah. Um, but 
With that being said, we're ending the near, uh, nearing the end of our show. And, of course, that is going to bring another edition of Jeremy's Power Rankings. So what do we got this episode, Jeremy? All right, Jason, we are recording this today on Thursday, April 20th. Um, yeah. Also known as 4 20. For everyone out there, you're very aware of this unofficial holiday that Happy 420. Uh, individuals celebrate. Everyone celebrate responsibly out there for That's this right. unofficial right. holiday. So it got me thinking, like, what are these dates that we all know hit the calendar and we're like, oh, yeah, that's a fun day or that's a, a good holiday, a good celebration day, whether it's in the sports world or outside of it completely. What are the top five best unofficial holidays that we celebrate here in America? So, yeah. I will get it started with, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if it's really a holiday, but I really enjoy it because year in, year out, they're getting more and more ads and, and promotions that come with it. I'm going to start with Pi Day, 3.14, nice. otherwise March 14th. All the pizza places are doing half-off pizzas. I We had, uh, last month, we got uh, BJ's Big Pizza for like 14 bucks. Um, a pie place like Marie Callender's or any other pie, actual pie places, they're doing deals and everything. So I think it's a unique little thing to throw in there. Good 3.14 March 14th pie day. And it makes math cool. Math is cool. Yeah. And then kids ask, what is pie? <laughs> and then you have like the whole, what is it? Infinity numbers, right? That's Never right. stops. Never Keep stops. on going. Number two, got to go with today. 420. I would be lying if I did not say I partake from time to time and yeah. enjoyed the holiday with the boys back in the day. And there's nothing better than like right after high school, early college days, and you're just getting together. You throw on some Bone Thugs and Harmony, and you're like, you know Hell what? Yeah. This feels like a good ass vibe with the friends. So April 20th is another unofficial one, obviously, why we're doing this. Number three. This is for the kids in junior high, the kids in elementary, the kids in high school, maybe the kids in college. That last day of school before nice, summer nice. break. Nice. Yeah, that's Everyone a good one. knows those vibes, whether it's a Friday or a Thursday. Like when you get to the last day of school before summer break, teachers are in a great mood, students are in a great mood. Everyone feels like you're getting celebrated, whether you're graduating or just getting a break from school for multiple months. Like that last day of school vibe is really unparalleled for a teenager, a high schooler, and anything along those lines. 100%. Now we're going to drag it into the sports world. Two of my favorite days on the calendar that we all know. The first Thursday of the NCAA tournament is still like no other. This tournament, in terms of brackets, was very rough. Like, I did not get anyone in the Elite Eight. Obviously, no this one in the was, Final Four. This year was brutal, man. I thought last year was bad. This year was it was still fun to watch the championship. Yeah. You know, UConn steamrolled everyone. San Diego State had a good run. It was fun to watch. But that first Thursday was still magical. At work, where you're trying to get work done, but you and the, the guys are looking at a phone, looking at an iPad. Furman, I forget who they upset. Who Virginia. Did, Virginia, that <laughs> I had Furman. I called it on this pod. They upset Virginia. I was losing my mind. Uh, Arizona's lost the 15 over the two who beat them. Was it Princeton? Yep. Beat Arizona. That was phenomenal. Another All, 15 jersey seed. Watch out yes. for them 15 seeds from Jersey, baby. All of those Thursday vibes. Every single year, it gets me, makes me a little kid again. Yeah, man. I'm giddy about it. That is an unofficial holiday because most of the time you're working, but you're following along. And it goes from morning to the nighttime. Hell it's yeah. just so beautiful to watch. And then finally, we've talked about this multiple times. It is basically a holiday, but still, it's an unofficial holiday. Super Bowl Sunday. Everyone gets together. You figure out the food. You figure out the drinks. How many chicken wings? How many pizzas? How many chips and salsa? You get together with friends, family, football, and food. All of the Fs you need in your life, and you don't give any other Fs that you need to give that That's day. That's right. And you enjoy it. Super Bowl Sunday is the number one unofficial holiday in my book. I like that list. I like that list, Jeremy. You did really well. Uh, last day of school, I didn't even think of that one. That one definitely would have made my list if it would have popped into my mind. I love that one. Uh, Pi Day is definitely an honorable mention. Uh, this year, for some reason, like you said, people are starting to celebrate it more. So where I work, they celebrated it too, and they were like, they had all different types of pies in the little food court and stuff like that on yeah. campus and stuff. So it was it was cool. Like it was like, damn, all right, Pi Day, it makes sense. Um, didn't make the list, though. Mine's going to be a little more sports-centric. Um, I got number five, 
opening day of Major League Baseball. Oh, that's right? always good. Still hits different, right? To me, it means more than just baseball is back, right? That doesn't necessarily do it for me. It just means longer days are coming. The sun's going to be out more. Like Kind of like the first day of March Madness. Baseball starting. Baseball starting at 10 o'clock in the morning here on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, if you're not at work, perfectly good reason to crack open a pre-noon beer, light <laughs> the grill, watch some random games. Probably, we were just talking about not taking in much baseball on TV. That's probably the day I take in the most. I'm watching any random game that's on Fox or whatever it is. Um, So opening day of Major League Baseball, always one of my unofficial holidays that I celebrate. Um, After that, coming up pretty soon, first day of the NFL draft. And for me, this one's Mm. almost like a full weekend long holiday. Uh, I just love that first day. The first round's cool. You hear all the buzz, all the different uh, hype, and you talk about trades and all these hypothetical things. And if you're like me, you're reading mock drafts. you're getting excited about all these kids you watch bust their ass on Saturdays, finally get the payoff with a payday in the NFL. Right. So I'm excited for them. And uh, then I used to play a lot of Madden. I don't play as much as I'd like to anymore, but this also was my day to see which teams I'm going to play with <laughs> next year because I always fell in love with like a rookie cornerback or a rookie running back or somebody that I wanted to try and highlight in my franchise mode on Madden or whatever the case yeah. may be, you know. So the NFL draft always has a spot in my heart and more so than the first day, but really the whole weekend because I nerd out in college football. So all the way through the seventh round, I'm hearing names called that I like. And one of my favorite things to do after the draft is Google the undrafted free agents and hope to God that my Dolphins sign the guys I know that I think are going to be good, even though they usually don't pan out anyways. Number three, not sports related, April Fool's Day. Who doesn't oh, love one. April Fool's Day, right? Good April one. Fool's Day is cool, and usually it kind of flies under the radar, and if you're that one person that can harness it a day or two before and come up with the true, believable April Fool's, that's the move. My kids are starting to get into it, so it's getting more and more fun in our house, and it's only going to continue to grow uh, from What'd here. What did your kids do to you this year? Do you have a good good story? They didn't really have a good one. They they I, I I knew it was I knew it was coming, but Bradley came out of his room and he had some he had some paperwork from school, and I think mom helped him and basically came up and said, "Oh, I got a note from school for being bad. I got in I got in trouble at school, Dad. You have to read it." And I opened it up, and it said April Fools on it. <laughs> so I got one similar. My my daughter comes in. It's like. April Fool's morning, um, we have a, a whatever you uh, like a pan that you cook brownies in, right? Yeah. Tin foil over it, and she goes, "Dad, we made brownies for you." I'm like, "Oh, oh awesome. hell yeah!" Dad loves brownies, obviously. Tin foil over it. I'm like, "This feels really light." I open it up. It's construction paper that's brown with the letter <laughs> yes. E all over just a bunch of E's that are brown. She's like, look, they're brown E's. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you got me. damn. Very good. Very that was good. solid. She gets the win right there. Yeah. She gets the win. Uh, after her April Fool's Day, number two, just like you, Super Bowl Sunday, man. Yeah. First part about it, I'm guaranteed to watch a full football game, which now I take very, very, very important. Like, I, it's like I don't get to do it all that often, you know? You end up with kids, um, and, you know, the days just kind of zigzag back and forth, and you end up more like watching, like, red zone style than actually sitting there and watching yeah. a game. Super Bowl comes, friends, family, everybody comes over. You got all the food. You got all the drinks you need right there, and everybody's gathering for one common goal, and that's to watch a lot of football. So Or commercial. Or commercial. Or so that's what I mean. So everybody's engaged on the football game all year. because degenerate gamblers yeah. out and, there. And and I'm not a huge, I'm definitely one of those degenerates. Um, and uh, my my whole family is not as big of a football fan as me. You could probably combine them all, and they're still not as big of a football fan as me. So this is one time where we all get to unite yeah. and watch some football together. So that's what I love about it the most, other than, you know, the barbecue and the friends and the family, all that stuff. All together, really good. This one barely beat it out, and this is another double one. I say Thursday and Friday okay. of March Madness. So we flip flop. You had that number one. I had that number one. Okay. So number one and two are the same, and we just ended up flopping it just because this one to me, two full days of basketball. Like you said, I'm a huge degenerate gambler. <laughs> so it's filled with parlays and big dreams, right? Before my bracket is completely toast and I'm just completely shattered by these 15 seeds from Jersey and back to back years. Um, you know, so it's just those two days are magical until you realize it's another March that you are yet to master and no one is going to get Warren Buffett's billion dollars for the perfect bracket for another year so number one march madness thursday friday number two super bowl sunday three april fools four first day of the nfl draft and five the opening day of major league baseball that's 
Jason's list of unofficial holidays. Very good. Very good. I love it. I love it. One other thing that's very good that we celebrate every single show by being our sponsor of Bump and Run is Sweet Fuel by Jewel, and they are providing you with one-of-a-kind flavorful protein bars, cookie bites, and now donuts. Yes, you heard me correct. Donuts. They are delicious and packed with a protein punch with 10 grams of protein in each donut and only 110 calories each. They will turn your donut bad habit into a healthy lifestyle. So make sure you check out Sweet Fuel's new protein donuts either in a PC facility or at Get Sweet Fuel on IG. Jeremy, bump and run. I'm on the line. Give it to me. All right, Jason. Uh, going back to NBA, uh, playoffs right. are right. here. We had a very controversial and close fought MVP race throughout the whole season. You have Nikolai Jokic, who's won back-to-back. Can he really win three in a row? You have Joel Embiid, who's been there back-to-back. Leaders in scoring in the NBA. Hasn't happened for a big man in like 30, 40 years. Um, You have Giannis in that head. A lot of great players in the NBA right now. Throwing Kevin Durant, the greatest scorer that we see. Throwing LeBron, the most accomplished player we see right now. My question to you for Bump and Run. Who is the best basketball player on the planet today? That's a tough one. Best basketball player on the planet today, in my eyes. It pains me to say it. It pains me to say it because I love Joel Embiid. I really do. And not just because the Sixers fan. That definitely has some bias, too. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, I just think this guy is a stud. I feel like Philly's roster has been barely above mediocre these past few years, and he's made us legitimate number one seed in the Eastern Conference Finals, at least in the conversation and Eastern Conference playoffs, I should say every single season on his shoulders alone. And I remember when he came into the league with his bum foot from Kansas and stuff, I wasn't really sure about him. I wasn't really sure about him. I was pumped on Ben Simmons. I was even pumped on Markel Fultz and all these guys. How did those pay off for you? (laughs) Exactly. Joel Embiid was the one pick of the process that I wasn't really that excited about. And here he is. Here he is, you know, he's the one that came and he grinded and he worked hard. He embraced the city of Philadelphia. I feel like he might be one of the hardest guardable players in the league. And then you combine that with his defense. It makes me want to pick him, but I got to go with Giannis. Giannis has just been Giannis has just been consistent. And you're talking about taking a mediocre roster. He's done it, right? Drew Holiday, great player. Chris Middleton, great player. You take Giannis off of that team. They are trash. Joel Embiid should win the MVP this year, and it's complete blasphemy if he doesn't NBA. Just get it right, yeah, damn it. Just, will. just get it right. All right? But I say best player in the league right now, I got to go with Giannis and Tentacumpo. Um, with Joel Embiid, I feel like hot on his heels. And then number three, I'm still sticking with King James until he flops this okay. year. He loses to the Grizzlies, then it's gonna. I, I give up on him. I got I to gotta bump him down quite a few slots. But I still like, I still like LeBron James. I got to side with Kevin Durant because his ability to make shots. No matter what defense you play against him, KD can elevate over you and knock down the mid-range, the deep shot, and behind the arc. He can still get to the rim. He's the most lethal scorer. I just don't feel he has had a good team around, a, a solid team that is an actual team around him since the Warriors run. So I feel like he's been um, miscast, and I think – he has a chance with this uh, Phoenix Suns team, but they're still filling each other out. I said freaking eight games they played together. So they're still like that, no, you take it, no, my turn, no, your turn type mm-hmm. of mentality, and that's not going to win in the playoffs. But the other one would have been Giannis. I just feel Giannis, is, he's so physical when he gets to that rim. Injuries like this could happen. We've seen him hyperextend his knee the year they won the championship, but he was able to come back. I think it's going to start happening more often, unfortunately. I hope it doesn't. I like to see players play, but there's um, no. I think what Kevin Love did is the only defense you can do. You have to slide in front of him and take a charge. You can't. You can't meet him at the apex. You can't stop him in the. And when he goes high flying. It's, that's when that's when tumbles like that happen. So and he's not a great three point shooter, jump shooter. He's everything to the rim. Yeah. He's and he's getting not, a little better, but yes, he's, yes, he's, not, he's nowhere close. Agreed. So Giannis probably would have been my answer, but since you went there, I still think we have to give Kevin Durant his flowers while he's still at his apex. And I just wish the the team around him would work. And he he's such a dynamic scorer and a great defender when it comes to these clutch moments. I respect that. He carries Phoenix Suns to a championship this year. He instantly sure. jumps everybody on that line, goes to number one. Yeah. I feel like he's just been floundering around for so long now, whether it be injuries or, like you said, poor constructed rosters that he's a part of. Um, what I, I love KD, though. Like That's why he's yeah. in my all-time top 10. He's not in your all-time top 10. So we have different levels. But yeah, so he's getting there. He's getting there. So I'm just saying, he, he comes through, he wins a championship for the Suns. That's really going to 
catapult him back up to the top of my list. I think whichever team, because it's so wide open right now, whichever team wins the championship this year, we're going to look at their best player and be like, he's, he's, he's top the dog guy. on the planet. Whether it's Jokic, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Giannis again, or KD. Let's go, Embiid. If Steph Embiid. does it again, like if Steph gets Damn. five and we're like, all right. Damn. Or if LeBron and AD get over that hump, it's like LeBron's still the man until he retires. I was going to say, yeah, if LeBron wins the championship, you can't. You, still the man. You ain't got nothing you could say to him. So... That, that's our bump and run, yep. ladies and gentlemen. That's our bump and run. These are our takes. Make sure you reach out to us on YouTube, IG, um, all the different outlets that we're on. Press Coverage Sports Show. Check us out. Thank you for tuning in to the Yellow Table. It's been a pleasure bringing you another episode and can't wait to be back. As we say at Persistence Culture, keep moving.